Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the podcast Coffee with Mike and Julie, Libertarians Talk Psychology. This is current commentary from an MBA businessman and a PhD psychologist. Look what they done to my song, So we've had this election and we we skipped a week, but we're we're letting the election sink in, hopefully without it being so depressing as it is to a lot of people, but I have to admit it's a mysterious when you have 73% of the people in the country upset with government and you don't have a red wave. That calls for some analysis. And I think the analysis is going to be coming in, trickling in over and over. I was listening to Victor Davis Hanson talk to John Anderson anyway in, in Australia. The whole world was watching this election. And the whole world, I think, is puzzled by it because all of the polling shows how upset the American people are. And you know the polling. I mean, I was asked to participate in a poll, and I didn't. I would. I didn't want to participate in a poll. So, but even the uh, American Psychological Association, their Stress in America poll showed how people upset people are with the government. So that's just puzzling to me that is it the the Democrats are also upset? So I mean I I'm thinking the Democrats aren't upset and the Republican the conservatives are upset, but that didn't come out in the vote. In a dark positive spin, I think maybe the American population has finally caught on that Neither one of these parties are worth a damn. <laughs> they both are totally clueless about how to how to how do to government, anything. how to do government, and they both are in the pockets of big business. So, yeah. people, I heard I heard an interesting comment by Rick Santorum, which I thought was very insightful. He said, "You don't have a wave when you have two blocks of ice because a wave requires fluid." a fluid working between the, the two groups. What we have is the Republicans, the conservatives are a block ice, and the Democrats are a block ice. I thought that's an interesting metaphor to explain what people voted, people voted, block voted, even though they're totally upset. Now, I haven't heard an analysis, and I should, you know, I'm gonna look at this more carefully from a psychometric standpoint. But the turnout, the turnout, I heard that the young people didn't turn out, and then I heard they did turn out, and then I heard the young women turned out. And so the turnout is, you know, something for us to discuss. And uh, we can discuss more of this in part two, but I want to say a couple of things about what Victor Hansen said, Davis Hansen said. You may want to discuss more about it in, in in your episode. But one thing he said is the way we vote has changed dramatically over the last 10 years. And, 
And I think that's it. And then I follow Sydney Powell, who's a cook, but she's a brilliant cook. She said that the Democrats went for the ballots and the conservatives went, the Republicans went for the votes. And so she said, Republicans are going to have to go for ballots. So there's all kinds of things going on, but it makes me it makes me kind of concerned that we're we've reached a t- tipping point that we can't come back from. Well, we're hanging on the the conservatives are hanging on to the house. They look like they've lost the chance to take over the Senate because of Arizona. And then you look at Arizona, and Arizona can't even count their ballots. And yesterday, I think, and this is a week after the election. I mean, we're we're chronologically now a week or so after the election. And in the House isn't for sure decided. And so, okay, so this is new territory. And so I was thinking of as far as psych, the psychology or mass, the mass psychology or group psychology, let's just assume, which I don't, that the election was not fraudulent. I do believe the election had a big fraudulent element to it, but not enough to make me say that we shouldn't go with it. It'd have to be really fraudulent for me to say, I don't know how much cheating is going on, but it, it shouldn't be this close even with cheating. Well, Tucker Carlson did a, threw some facts out there that pretty well supported that we have a large amount of cheating. And the thing that bugs me about it is that we've had two years, we've had more than two years to address this problem, and we have not addressed it. We just, we are just living with it. We're well, we're states, complaining, but we're not doing anything about it. Now, the it. states, there are different pockets around the country that are really trying hard. You know, they threw those people from True the Vote in jail. There are people, there are pockets. This is going, the fight for integrity of the election is going on at the state level, which is where it's supposed to go on. Right. You know, it, it's the responsibility of the legislatures, legislators, and they, uh, the state legislators. And there are a lot of things going on there. But I don't think we can identify how the cheating is is really happening. But at this mail-in VAT ballot is is the deal. Okay, so here, what are the bright spots? And then we can talk a little more about what whatever suits our fancy to talk about. Florida was a bright spot. Now, interestingly, in Florida, which is where we vote, I went in to vote, and they said to me, you got a mail-in ballot. And I said, I didn't get a mail-in ballot, but I think maybe I did get a mail-in ballot in the mail. In 2020, I asked for a mail-in ballot because I, for several different reasons, my signature wasn't the same because of my arthritis. But they are on top of it here. I had to sign something. And then when I looked at what I got from the official people, I think I may have got through it in the trash the other day, but I thought maybe I did get a mail-in ballot, but I wouldn't have trusted a mail-in ballot because of my signature problem. I wouldn't want it thrown out. But Florida, and everybody does point to Florida as being the bright spot. I mean, there was a red wave in Florida, you know, Florida, which was in a lot of people's view, turning purplish, turned red. So they had, I believe they had strict election laws. I think they had the strict voter ID. Yeah, I don't know. They had strong leadership, conservative leadership in DeSantis. 
So maybe there is a formula for success for conservative leadership. But is that that's the only state. That's the only one that went that way exactly, is it? I mean, other states like Louisiana, I don't even know how they, I don't even know how Louisiana came out. Well, part of my problem is that Florida's the only state that, that performed anything over the last two or four years. Everybody else just complained and thought that would be enough. About election integrity? Uh, well, elect, no, about the economy. COVID, uh, shutdown. You know, the border. They complained, but they didn't have solutions to problems. Ron DeSantis in Florida was busy solving problems. Yeah. And, you know, and he impressed I think people. he impressed people, but I think the rest of the I won't even call them conservatives because I don't care if they're conservative or liberal. But the rest of the political world was busy complaining about the other side. The other side's going to cause, you know. The negative. Just the, bitching about the other people. Just they bitching they about the other side problems. and how bad the other side is. And without offering solutions to problems. Ron DeSantis was offering solutions to problems. So I... I really think that. So it's just like he. he to me, that he was deserved the big to be the. He deserved to be the the highlight because he was the highlight. Yep. You know, his leadership was the highlight. I'm gonna point out a couple of things my massage therapist pointed out, which is, you know, back to the election integrity. It, it, the the question, the hypothesis in my mind: Are we looking at election fraud, or are we looking at? a block vote, unthinking block vote from the Democratic side, that they elected Fetterman and that they elected a dead guy. Somewhere, was it Pennsylvania, they elected a dead guy. Well, I understand voting with your tribe, but electing a dead guy, you know, because, but, but that, is, that is a sign that you have either election fraud, you know, you have stuffing the ballot boxes, or you have a group of people who vote with their team well that's regardless that was of what's going on you just vote you just vote with your team that was the explanation i accepted was that the dead guy his name was still on the ballot people voted voted down the ballot yeah you know down party line the whole way they weren't even aware that the guy was dead okay so if that's the right hypothesis if that hypothesis is true, then what we have in this country is different than what we've ever had. We, we have a bunch of people voting who don't really understand government strengths and weaknesses, and they're voting block. And maybe we, there's a bunch of people voting block on the right also. I think so. I mean, I vote block because if I don't know the people, if I don't know what the issues are, I'm not going to vote Democratic. So I guess I'm I'm guilty of that same thing. Okay, so this brings up like the question of like, okay, we understand that, I mean, I guess it's good, at least we have a split, probably are going to have a split legislature where they can't pass anything. You know, the House, I like it when there's a... Yeah, that's a positive thing. The positive <laughs> is they can't pass any new laws. I don't know how that the the uh, commentators say that uh, Biden will have to do everything by executive order, but the House holds the purse strings on even executive orders. So mm -hmm. the House, 
And the House hasn't passed a budget. They still don't have a budget. They haven't had a budget for like 10 or 20 years. Well, apparently. Okay, I don't know what you mean. They keep putting off having have. to balance the budget. You know, they keep putting off they don't, they, they, the budget process. What I heard is they don't even have a budget. They don't even pass it. They don't even bother to have a budget. They don't, they... They go over it all the time, so they don't even bother to pass it. And I don't know that I'm right about that. But so we have the high points include, it's going to be split, so to speak. Apparently, yesterday, there were still 23 races uncalled, and the Republicans need seven of those. I guess they will get seven out of 23, because that would be an odd situation if they don't even get half of those. Okay. So the good news is we're going to have a split Congress, so we maybe have less interference in our lives by this Congress for two years anyway. And then the other thing is the exceptional performance in Florida, which everybody points to, everybody, even the other side points to, is like important that Florida did so well. Yeah, apparently that's, that has Democrats spooked. How far? How well Florida did? Yeah, well, and of course you need Florida to to balance out California in the electoral college. You can't get a well if the if the Republicans have the House, you can't get that the initiatives they want for um, getting rid of the electoral college. You can't get that passed. That would have to that would have to be both houses and the president and ratified by the states. So that scares the dickens out of me that we would get rid of the Electoral College. But I know that's their agenda. Yeah, that's scary. That's very scary. That get rid of that check and balance, then that's the ball game. Well, it'd be true democracy. It would be 51% tells 49% how to live. Yeah. It won't be representative yeah. government. Yeah. Government. Yeah. Well, which brings me down to the point, like, what what would a libertarian do about this? So... Okay, I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> what does a libertarian do in a case like this? The two polarized groups aren't reaching consensus on anything. So there, there is a lack of understanding of problem solving from a psychological standpoint when you don't even consider consensus. So without consensus, neither group is listening to the other side. It's going to be interesting to see what the House, the new House, if it's conservative, does about abortion. And I would argue that neither side ever will agree with the other side. <laughs> you always have a pessimistic viewpoint on that. The libertarian philosophy is individual freedom. Both political sides are all into winning, their side winning, the other side losing, and, you know, whoever wins gets to say how everyone has to live. And that isn't, the, that isn't what we libertarians want anyway, no matter who wins, no matter which of those sides wins. It isn't well, how that's we a very want good things point. to go. That's a very good point. And I would uh, expand on that by saying that it's not what libertarians want, and it's not what a good organizational psychologists would want, and it's not what a good business person would want. You don't want to silence, and you don't want to win-lose philosophy overtaking your culture. 
But and, and I'm kind of in, but I'm in disagreement with that's what both sides want, win lose. Yeah, the polarized, the polarization and the win lose culture has taken over for now. But I don't think it's necessarily going to take over forever. So from the psychological and the libertarian standpoint, the interventions would be pretty clear given this election. Of course, election integrity is essential. But educating the voter on the principles of a free society is also an intervention that I think I could get behind. So the one thing would be important is understanding the need for consensus and consideration for the other side's viewpoint and more fluidness between the two groups uh, in, the, in the form of consensus and problem solving and better listening to the other side. What else would we do? Well, I'd like to respond to that. I don't see that ever happen. These people have way too much fun fighting each other. I mean, they are having a ball. And not only are they having fun, you know, jockeying for position to see who wins. Between elections, they've got the the different complexes, the military-industrial complex, the pharmaceutical complex, all these big businesses feathering their nests. So they're making, between elections, they're making all kinds of money and changing their laws around to help the big businesses. But, you know, at the time of the elections, they're having fun accusing each other of being murderers. So uh, I just don't see it changing. You know, we well, are... Well, so ho- you have no hope. I have no hope that we will have a system-wide solution to a problem. I think Well, what do you put your hope in? My hope is that we have enough taking the rain, taking over the reins, taking the, taking the bit in the teeth at the local level, that there will be local jurisdictions that will say, I'm not, I'm not going to enforce that law, and it will be a form of secession. That wow. In, individual areas will just refuse to enforce certain laws. And the, the red part of the world will be more like that, and the blue part of the world will be more like that, and it'll kind of evolve. And I hope it doesn't result in a civil war. Well, that sounds almost, that sounds pessimistic. But let me just say that I keep repeating what Jordan Peterson said, which I like, is where does he put his hope? It's the same place I put my hope, in the integrity of the individual. But in order for the individual to have integrity, and see, I'm in a nest of people who are like a training ground for me in this psychologist because the microcosm reflects the macrocosm. But I kind of was thinking about that. Remember that time where we got our ass kicked by the president who went out and rounded up all her friends and all her friends joined and they all came in and voted and we got smashed. It was the, it was the issue with the board. <clears throat> You've got to clarify. This is the president of the psychology the organization in Louisiana. In Louisiana, yeah. I always talk about it as though the readers, the listeners, know about it. So the psychology board wanted to legislate. Well, they're not supposed to legislate. They're supposed to regulate. They're supposed to take the legislation from the citizenry and execute it. And they were, no, but now they want to, they want to create laws. 
and they had best friends back and forth between the association. This is how this stuff gets started. The two wolves got together and decided, yes, it was okay that they pass a law. And then they got together. And my point, I don't want to belabor this because I've bitched about this on this podcast enough. But they get together and in, and in, in order to beat the people who are saying, no, that we don't need any new laws and we certainly don't need them coming from the state board. They get together, round up a bunch of their friends, join and then vote us down. Uh, it occurred to me that's like ballot harvesting. Mm-hmm. They bet they they stuffed the ballot box on yeah. us. Free State of Jones, remember that movie? Mm-hmm. I think it's Free State of Jones where they stuffed the ballot box on them. Oh, did they? On the and they kept keep the blacks from voting. Oh, okay. I think the name of it is Free State of Jones. That's like uh, well, Matthew I'll McConaughey. You, McConaughey's. I'll tell you what's interesting, and and then I'm you know I'm I know it's almost time for you to conclude, but uh, yeah. You know, it was within our lifetime that we had all this real bad racial rigging of elections and the system and systems. Within our lifetime, we had this. So, you know, just because we think we're all modern and and you know we should be able to figure this stuff out, man, we're we're on the edge. We're just within decades away from just being totally screwed up on the way we did things. Well, I think there's still hope. Let me let me sum up uh, from the psychological standpoint what, what would be necessary. If you're in a system like this, you have to infuse the system with people with integrity and people with the knowledge, skills, and abilities. And I'm thinking about the, the people that I'm relating to, the, the cognitive elite. Stanovich calls them the cognitive elite. I'm not going to call them the cognitive elite because I don't think that that's a good term. But it's an interesting term. The intelligentsia is now not intelligent. It's group dynamics. It's led by group dynamics. But the first thing you need to do is convince them that they don't know everything they think they know and that there are principles that are important to govern by and I think that's where the libertarians have it down pat, is the Constitution is full of wisdom that we aren't using anymore, hmm. that people don't use. So you, we, would, we would have to find those people of integrity and those people that aren't uh, corrupted by money, uh, their group identification, not corrupted by the military-industrial, Hell, hell, finding somebody not corrupted by the medical authoritarianism going on, that's almost impossible. You know, boy, boy, we're a long ways away from what you're describing. Well, that's your attitude, but, you know, it's like Margaret Mead said, never underestimate the power of a small, very dedicated group of people to change the world. It's the only way the world ever has been changed. So I think that's probably... The principles of psychology is what I'm going to be focusing on after this election because this is a very depressing outcome. It's no longer clear to me that the conservatives have an equal voice in the leadership of the country. The 40 years of liberalism has now become neoliberalism. Uh, progressivism, and it's it's made a big dent in the mental 
psychological, spiritual reality of our country. And so there's a big job ahead. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.